had the incredible opportunity to speak with Andrew Bell over Zoom. Andrew was born and raised just outside of Chicago in Illinois, and he talked about that and where he grew up and how he got into music. He learned guitar at a very early age from his dad, who taught him on a 12-string guitar, which in itself is intense. Tuning the thing must be intense. He told us about how he wasn't really allowed to listen to pop music growing up, so his friends would make him little mixtapes, and he became obsessed with Counting Crows, so that was one of his favorite bands growing up. He ended up going to college in Indiana, not for music, though. But while he was there, he talked about an experience going to see Dashboard Confessional and the headlining band and how that kind of changed his life. He started writing songs while in college after that experience at that concert. And by the time he had graduated from college, he started playing the local bars and clubs around his, his hometown. He talked about recording his first record, how one song landed on KCRW, and that really changed his life, got a manager that way, the huge impact Grey's Anatomy has had on his career. And he tells us all about his most recent record, Nightshade. You can check out our interview with Andrew Bell on our Facebook page as well, on our YouTube channel. We have a ton of interviews up on both those platforms, a bunch of video interviews. You should definitely check those out. It'd be awesome if you like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Andrew Bell. This podcast is about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk obviously about your uh, new record, Nightshade. Okay, great. Sweet. Uh, I did read you're from Winfield, Illinois. Is that uh, born and raised? Yeah, um, I was born there. I mean, it's, yeah, there's a town next to Winfield called Wheaton. That's a little more accurate to where I grew up. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I was born here and uh, went to school here. I, I did, you know, after call or after high school, I went to school in Indiana um, for like my undergraduate degree and then came back here to Chicago and started uh you know, playing in bars and restaurants and waiting tables and that kind of thing. And then eventually, uh, when I was about 24, I, I relocated down to Nashville. Um, okay. I made my first record there and started touring, you know, out of there and kind of really got the foundation of my career started there. And then um, moved back up to Chicago. I got married. My wife and I moved to Los Angeles for a while. We had our first child there. And then we came back here to Chicago after that. Um, I've been here for the last, um, I guess almost five years. Wow. That's awesome. Where uh, I just moved to Nashville from Southern California, from San Diego. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, We were in Pasadena when we lived in LA. Okay. And then, uh, in Nashville, I was like, if you take 65 South, like there's a Harding place exit. Um, Mm -hmm kind of as you're heading toward like Brentwood and that, that world, uh, nippers corner, I think they call it, uh, that's okay. kind of where I live. Yeah. Oh, right. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm even yeah. fourth farther South. I'm by Franklin. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm down there all the time. Right on, man. Well, cool. So I want to rewind a bit. So, uh, how close were you to, to Chicago when you grew up? Was that fairly close? I'm not really familiar with the area. Oh, uh, no, it, it's like, honestly, it's, it's almost the same. It might be a little farther than Franklin is from Nashville. It's, it's a good, like 35 miles. Oh, okay. Um, 40 miles even. Yeah. So, you know, you always assume it's going to take at least an hour to get there. 
Got it. So like if a band came to town that you wanted to see, you'd have to drive about an hour to see them. In, oh, yeah. In Chicago. yeah. Is that it was definitely like close you know, spot. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a trip, you know, to, to get to the city, especially when you're young and the city's so intimidating and, and unknown sure. and suburbs. But uh, so we didn't go a ton growing up. But, you know, as I as soon as I, you know, could drive myself, my buddies and I were always driving to the city for stuff. Right on. Right on. How did you how did you get into music? Um, man, I mean. You know, honestly, like in seventh grade, uh, the Counting Crows, you know, were like my favorite band. And, and oh, I asked my dad. Rad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the first person to tell me the Counting Crows are your favorite band. Oh, yeah. A lot of people oh, love man. the Counting Crows. I mean, I love the Counting Crows, but I, that's funny that you'd bring them up as your favorite band. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with them. I think, um, you know, they, they had just put out like August and everything after, I think in 96, maybe or something. And, and I was in middle school, you know, junior high. My friends were listening to that and Oasis and other bands like that. And, and I wasn't really allowed to listen to like pop, like radio, you know, pop radio music. Um, um, my dad was kind of strict about that sort of thing. And so uh -huh. my friends would make me little tapes, you know, and I'd come home and I'd listen to them quietly on my boom box. And I'd or I'd record the radio during the day because I had like a two cassette boombox oh, sure. thing and I could like like <laughs> dub a tape of the radio and I would listen on my Walkman at nighttime you know when I was supposed to be sleeping um and the Counting Crows I don't know what it is about about Adam Duritz and his writing it just really affected me and the melodies and everything the lyrics and and so I asked my dad to teach me how to play guitar he had a 12 string guitar and um that's wow. what I learned on which is as like a you know 11 year old kid trying to learn how a 12 string it's like <laughs> so difficult yeah, you know I know um, just tuning but, yeah. the 12 string is a nightmare in itself, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then, um, yeah, then that led me to high school where, you know, my friends and I were all learning the guitar and teaching each other, you know, all the different chords and things that, you know, this is all, this is all like right as the internet is, is being born. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden you can go online, you can like download guitar tablature tab, and like, yeah, learn any song guitar you tab. <laughs> yeah. Guitar tabs.com. And, we that's how we that's how we learn we taught each other you know chords and songs and all that stuff and so i played in bands in high school you know cover bands and stuff like that and then uh -huh. i went away to college and um i was always kind of like I, I was always the bass player in the band you know because I, I wasn't the singer and i wasn't really writing anything i just but i wanted to be in the band so they gave me a bass and i played in the back and then when i went to college though um I was a really, I, be, I discovered dashboard confessional, like, every, you know, everybody else sure. in college and, and, uh, got really into him. And, uh, I went to go, I drove up from, you know, I was in school in Indiana and I drove to Chicago. It was a couple hours with some friends uh -huh. to see dashboard in 2003, I want to say. And, um, and opening for him was a band called brand new. And I love brand new. I mean, yeah. Jesse has gotten to some, some hot yeah. water recently, but man, that they're like my, if I talked about favorite bands, they would be one of up top, top oh, five yeah. for me. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I go to, I went to this concert, had never heard of them and, um, it was just floored, you know, like I just was obsessed, um, after their set. And, uh, I, I completely forgot about dashboard at that point. I went home and downloaded <laughs> everything, um, from brand new and just became obsessed and wanted to write, you know, like Jesse Lacey and, um, yeah. And so that, you know, that kind of got me into, I wanted to all of a sudden start my own band in college. And so I started writing songs for the first time uh -huh. and discovered, okay, I think I have a little bit of a talent for, for, um, for writing, you know, crafting words and melody and that kind of thing. And, um, I'm not really the best singer in the world, but I'll figure that out. 
And um, yeah, so I started a little band in college and kind of did that throughout the years. And then mm-hmm. my senior year when I was about to graduate, um, I don't know, I started discovering more folk singer songwriter stuff like Sufjan Stevens and <laughs> Damien Rice and like all these like more mellow guys that um, were kind of inspiring me. And so I started writing more singer songwriter acoustic style. And in addition to that, you know, I had this instinct that, you know, I love the idea of being in a band, but, you know, right after college, that's, that's usually a pretty formative time when people tend to maybe get jobs or start to get married or have kids. And I just, I didn't like the idea of, you know, not being able to, to pursue my dream because maybe our, my drummer couldn't go out on the road anymore or, you know, the guitar player yeah, had a kid or whatever. Depending on other decided. people. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how I was wise enough to have that instinct, but I did. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be a solo singer songwriter. And so mm-hmm. I started doing that. Um, and that just allowed me so much more flexibility and freedom to do whatever I wanted to. And uh, I moved home. Like I said, I was playing in bars and restaurants and waiting tables at the same time. And then doing, um, doing covers or doing your own originals at this point? Um, I'd say like 75% covers and then I'd sprinkle in my own, oh, you cool. know, the, er- those, okay. the early songs that I was beginning to write back then I'd sprinkle sure. those in. And, um, yeah, after doing that for a couple of years, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, I, I've got a buddy in the city. He's got a studio and he's, he's a really good producer engineer. You should take a couple of these songs and go make a little EP with him. So I did. And that really got the ball rolling for me. Um, I, this is back in 2007. Um, when uh, MySpace was still pretty much like the primary platform for sure. online digital listening. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and I, I remember getting hit up by this uh, college radio promoter out of Minneapolis. Um, you know, and they were like, hey, you know, we found your songs. We think you could be cool for a, a college radio campaign, you know. So, and I, you know, I, I was sort of naive enough to think, hey, this could work, you know. So, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, sure, I'll give you a couple thousand dollars and I'll, you know, mail out to all these radio stations. You know, I just was, I guess, naive enough to, to, to I guess knowing what I know now and how hard it is to crack into like a radio campaign. I, I, now I would never advise myself to, to do that, but I did. And, um, just, it just ha- so happened that, um, we sent out to KCRW in Los Angeles and, mm-hmm. um, and one of the, one of the DJs there, like, played my song a couple times and he was also music supervising some television shows and he he licensed one of my songs you know for his show and and that little blip on the radar was enough to perk the um the interest of my very first manager um he was working at sony at the time doing a and r but he knew he wanted to leave and and find an artist to you know start from the ground up with and Mm -hmm. yeah he hit me up he came out to chicago to see my very first show and uh, we started working together and I moved to Nashville, made this record. And then, um, Real yeah, quick, he kind of, what's that? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious because I've been in radio for 16 years, I, okay. especially in Southern California. Who was the who was the DJ that played your song? Was it Chris <laughs> Muckley? Forget. No, man, it was Nick uh, Harcourt. Nick Harcourt. Okay, because Chris Muckley became the PD music directors like a little bit after that. Okay. So I, I didn't know if we, if he yeah. was the guy because he, he, <laughs> He just, he just, he discovered a lot of bands. Like, okay. um, so that's why I was like Marcy's playground. He was the first person to play sex oh, and candy. Crazy. So oh, that's dude. why I was curious if he, <laughs> he was the guy, <laughs> he, he was like a, t- definitely a tastemaker. Oh, that's oh, cool man. though. Okay. So KCRW. Yeah, this, guy, 
yeah, this guy, Nick Harcourt, I guess he had a show called morning becomes eclectic. Maybe he still does. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, and again, I'm, I'm some, I'm a young kid from Chicago. I have no idea about who this guy is or what KCRW even is, but apparently sure. it's a big deal. And oh yeah, yeah so huge my, station. I mean, they're like yeah. a, a, the NPR ish station of yeah. LA. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, so that was just like, the, that was a huge turning point. You know, it, it got me on the radar of this guy, Seth, who became my first manager. And yeah, he helped me just, um, you know, I was already making my first record. I already sort of put those pieces together by myself, but after that I had no idea what to do with it. And so he helped me put together a plan of, you know, he helped me find a booking mm-hmm. agent, helped me figure out how to release it properly and, and book some, you know, um, book, book a real tour and, um, find a, a TV and film agent and all these things, all these pieces that I would not have known how to do by myself. And so, um, and right out of the gate, I had a lot of success with television, um, with that first record. Um, and that really, um, you know, gave me an audience or at least started helped me start, um, building some credibility and, yeah, and with touring the, and in my veins. Know. Right. That was like the first Correct. one that really kind of got, yeah. I mean, you, you had, it was in a huge scene, right? Is that, is that, it was what so what, yeah, what happened was, so like my album came out and literally the night that it came out, there was a show called one tree Hill. Oh, yeah. Um, which I'm not familiar. I never watched it, but I knew what it was. And they used Same my song. <laughs> I know the name, but I couldn't tell you anything about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they, that goes for a lot of these shows. You know, I'm so thankful <laughs> that they use my music, but you know, I don't watch any of them. Um, One Tree Hill, the night my record came out, they used a song and then they put like an ad card at the end of the episode saying like music by Andrew Bell and his new record, the latter. And that like gave wow. me a huge boost right out of the gate. And so like, that first week, all of a sudden, you know, I'm on like billboard heat seekers and like all this stuff I had no expectation of. And then in the ensuing months, like Grey's Anatomy had licensed my, uh, three of my songs in like a matter of months and that, that spring season. And then that all kind of culminated with their finale episode in 2010, where they, I don't know if they're still doing this, but for a long time, their finale episodes were made up of only unreleased music. And usually from artists that they had been using, you know, throughout the season. And really? I, one, I didn't realize yeah. that they had, because I've seen, I've, I've interviewed a lot of artists that have had songs in Grey's Anatomy and, and a few other shows that keep popping up. Uh, Vampire Diaries is one I remember yeah. seeing a lot, yeah. but like, I didn't realize that they do that. That's so rad. It's almost like they're helping artists on the back end without anyone really knowing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, for a long time, you know, they were like, really breaking a lot of artists, you know, like the fray and snow patrol and Ingrid Michaelson and Greg Laswell. And so I was just like, stoked. Wow, to I didn't realize that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson, I wonder who the, do you know who the music supervisor is? The, what a, what a show to be like a tastemaker. I know, <laughs> show I know dude. Bands. I, you know, it's funny. I, I recently, well, a couple of years ago, I met somebody who was on the music sync team for that show in that season or that era. And he said something to me like they used to refer to that season as like the Andrew Bell season because there were so many of my <laughs> songs and that, which, you know, it's amazing. That's so um, cool. I've never met that, that supervisor in person, although my manager now has a friend or is, is friends with, with them. And, and, um, so one of these days I'm going to like, you know, I literally have a, you know, I have a life because of that. And, um, and That's so crazy. Anyways, yeah. So they used my song in this finale episode and it, yeah, it was like the scene itself was really like, you know, I, it was like this episode in particular was pretty wild. Like a bunch of like main characters in the show, like die. And, and, and there's one 
scene where they use my song where somebody from the show like that everybody loves dies and it just became like uh, an iconic part of the show and uh -huh. and obviously that the reach of that that show is so humongous around the world it, it really started it really caught on and, and then um there's another show called castle that that used that song as well and they used it not only, i think they used it three times throughout because wow. the song became sort of like the characters in that show became like their song i think in some way and so they used it multiple times throughout the series and so that song man i mean it's not it's not like a radio hit you know and it it i think it's i think by um if you account for like streaming metrics it's it's approaching i think sometime in the next year or two it'll it'll finally be qualified as like a gold single <laughs> but really uh, yeah which is wild that is you so know, rad how, do, how uh, so they do the they do gold singles for streams now they should yeah they, they have a metric for how they can um equate streams um into like what what the equivalent of like an album sale would be that's um, rad because yeah. a lot of artists aren't benefiting from that you know anymore as exactly. far as like if you put a record out, I mean, selling it is probably way down compared to yeah. like somebody just streaming it on Spotify. Exactly. Exactly, man. So yeah, that song, man, it just really launched everything for me. And I, I was touring a ton that year and just had a lot of momentum. And then I went away and made it my second record. And I really, I guess, I don't know. I got a little burned out that, that those couple of years where I was like, um, writing all these songs on my acoustic guitar and, a you know, acoustic piano, I, I was, kind of tired of that sound and i was listening to a lot more alternative music at the time and uh -huh. getting into synthesizers and things like that and I, and I wanted to make music that was more like that and um that was my plan for my second record and my manager was like kind of freaked out about that because we had so much success with the first album and the sound of that he was afraid to um yeah like you know, to move away sure yeah, to, to to you know rock the boat and um but I was just pretty adamant. I was like, this is the sound I love and this is what I want to go for and it'll be fine. And so I found this, a new producer. Um, his name is Chad Copeland. He, he works out of Norman, Oklahoma. Um, I met him on the road touring with uh, Ben Rector. I don't know if you're familiar with Ben. Um, the name sounds familiar, but I, okay. I, he's, I he's, he's a Nashville guy. I'm sure he'll be on your radar eventually. Um, cool. I was opening for him. Chad was playing in his band and had produced some of his records. And so I, I hooked up with Chad. We made my second record, which is, like I said, a total departure sonically. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it hit, like it, it worked. And I think um, some people who were kind of into my older sound were a little confused, but a lot of people were happy to kind of come along for the ride. And then I picked up a lot of new listeners as well. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of continued touring and continuing, continue making songs and um, uh -huh. staying independent the whole time. And um yeah, somehow it's amazing. Yeah, accrued this this audience, you know that that is allows that, me to have a career. On that second record, is that when you started playing keyboards? Because I I did notice yes. that you play piano. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't playing. I mean, I was dabbling in that in uh, my, on my first record, but no, that's when that's when I started um, writing primarily on, on a synthesizer or a keyboard. Um, okay, starting with that second record. Yeah. Did you go to college for music or no? No, I, uh, I went to, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, so I, I went into, um, business marketing and I guess that was works. Going, I mean, similar, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to switch to music toward the end there when I decided I wanted to try being a, a singer songwriter. Um, but it, it was going to add like at least two more years to my program and me being there. And I don't know. I guess I just felt like I can, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be a, you know, I wasn't trying to be like a formally, 
um, trained musician. That I didn't want to teach or anything like that. So I, I just want to be a, you know, songwriter. So I figured I could maybe teach myself that. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was wondering, you know, you said right out of college, you moved back home and you were playing in bars and, and clubs and stuff. So I didn't know if that was something you were pursuing in college yeah. or it was something that you're like, you know what, this is going to be, I enjoy this. Let's go for it. Yeah, no, that's, that's what it was. And, and everybody, you know, my family was really surprised. Um, my friends were kind of surprised because I was always, like I said, um, I wasn't really like the obvious musician growing up. I had friends who were way more talented than I or superior musicians, you know, and, but like I said, I just had an instinct for writing. I felt like in, in melodies. And so mm -hmm. I figured I could figure out the rest. So. Sure. I mean, yeah. obviously you have a, <laughs> you're very successful at what you're doing. So <laughs> yeah. that must've been a pretty good validation though. Getting the syncs and getting, I mean, uh, even getting your song on KCRW, that's so oh, huge for yeah. any artist. Absolutely. And it, the, the irony too, I always um, laugh when I tell this story. So my, um, in college, my, well, actually, you know, I had just finished college, but my girlfriend was still, she was a senior mm -hmm. and I, you know, we'd hang and visit. She loved Grey's Anatomy and a bunch of her favorite artists she had discovered through that show. And, you know, that was always kind of, you know, when we'd like daydream about me being a musician and what I was going to do in the future, that was kind of like, Oh, wouldn't that be so cool, you know, to have like the pinnacle. Your, yeah. That was, that was, <laughs> the pinnacle. That was like, you'd, you'd made it, you know? And, and then, you know, we dated for a couple of years after college and we're getting a little bit more serious, but then she broke up with me. It was devastating. And I wrote this record sort of out of that, um, devastation. And then that ended up being the record that got all over Grey's Anatomy. So I thought that that was a, <laughs> a pretty amazing full circle irony. <laughs> that is, that is so cool. Yeah. Um, I did see too that you've released, even with that, with that record that you said, you know, you kind of went more of the alternative synth route. You did a stripped yeah. down version of those songs. You called that Hushed. Yes, we did. And that was sort of in response to my manager being like, hey, can we at least do an acoustic version? And I thought, okay, <laughs> I was well, wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do the obligatory acoustic version. So what if, what if we just call it hushed and we strip away a lot of this production, but we still keep it pretty like synthetic and electronic. It's almost like they're almost like the slow jam RB and R and B versions of the record. Um, uh -huh. If you listen to it, it's, it's not really acoustic, but that was my compromise. And um, it, that ended up being, um, received really well as, as well so yeah was that a pretty fun project to do like take those songs and strip them back oh yeah yeah i mean it, it wasn't like we were remixing you know where you right. just go into sessions and take away like we literally re changed the keys and changed the tempos and i had to re-sing everything and um yeah it was so much fun that we did it again for my third record and we'll probably do it again here for my fourth one. Oh, you will that was my next question yeah continue on with it with the idea i think so i don't know if i'll do five songs that's what we've done for the other maybe i'll do like uh -huh. two or three but okay. uh yeah that is cool where well i'm curious to know where you were at when COVID happened and how that had kind of affected this next record yeah i was um well living here in chicago but when it all kind of broke out i was actually in los angeles um at a concert and like with a ton of people and i actually think that's like i think i got it when i came home i my, oh my daughter gosh. and I, my daughter and i were like sicker than we've ever been like coughing for weeks and we didn't really understand what it was that we had you know uh -huh. and then as we were getting healthier is when everything blew up and shut down and we figured out what was going on but um you were playing a concert or you were no just attending I, I was just i was um i was in a, i had recording sessions that week in la mm -hmm. and my 
I have a friend um, who performs as uh, Simmel. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, Simmel. Oh, yeah. I know Simmel. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Brian is a good buddy of mine, and um, he was playing a show. He was opening for Dermot Kennedy and at the oh, Wiltern in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. and, so, and so we all went out, me and a bunch of friends, and we had the same licensing agent. So like it was like a big crew of like 15, 20 people, and we're all like hanging, and then a bunch of us all got sick. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, but I was home, you know, I'm home here in the Chicagoland area and when everything shut down and, um, I didn't actually have any plans to be performing live or anything, um, mm-hmm. that year or last year, I was really just writing, finishing the writing and, and demoing for what became Nightshade. So and, you're already uh, working on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I started, man, I started the, I started writing and demoing in like 2018, um, right as I finished up the my last records record cycle and began recording nightshade i guess i didn't know what it was gonna be called or really what it was yet but we started recording those earliest versions in 2019 and then i finished the writing in 2020 uh, as well as the recording as well yeah okay and then how early in 2020 was was it difficult to finish up the record with you know restrictions and all of that well, yeah, it made it a little tricky at first. Um, this is probably, I probably finished the writing and was, I was like ready to make this record in March, I would say, mm-hmm. um, of 2020. So pretty early on in the, the locking down quarantine phase. Um, and we had tentative plans to uh, go down to El Paso. There's a studio in El Paso, Texas, or actually just outside of El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. um, called Sonic Ranch. Um my producer has made tons of trips down there from Oklahoma to make records with, with artists and has had been trying to get me down there for years, really, because it's just such a special place to make music. And I, it, it's a little bit more costly to do it there than it would be to do it at his studio. So I'd sort of always put it off. But for this record, it felt like the right call. Um, and so we were supposed to be down there in May, but then a couple of people involved in the project didn't feel comfortable flying on an airplane quite that early. Um, Mm-hmm. And so we pushed it to July and, you know, checked in and still people weren't feeling great about it. So then we pushed it to August and, um, that was the point at which I was feeling okay or comfortable traveling, but still a handful of kind of key people weren't. And so, you know, rather than continuing to push it, we just decided to keep the plan and, uh, allow those people to contribute remotely if possible. And then, and then bring in, um, other people to kind of take their place if we, you know, if they weren't able to be there. So that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that part of it was tricky and kind of sucked having to make those decisions. But I knew I just, I, I was like, I kind of, you know, it's been, <laughs> by the time I put this thing out, it's going to have been like four years since my last record. I got to get right. out of this thing. So, so we did and, and it all worked out fine. Um, and, and those people who weren't able to be there ended up being able to contribute remotely and it was great. Uh-huh. So you so. did record the record at Sonic Ranch. We did. Yeah. Wow. We what was that like? I mean, th- they've recorded so many iconic bands and I mean, at the drive-in, even brand new recorded science fiction there, I think. Oh man. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. Bad. So like, yeah, no, I, it's just... yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I knew like Bonnie Bear had just been there the previous mm-hmm. summer and like Beach House has made some of my favorite albums there. Um, it's, it's funny. It's a funny place. It's like this giant working pecan farm it's 3000 acres of pecan trees that the studio is oh, wow. located on. And yeah, the, it's been a working pecan farm for, I don't even know how many years, maybe like 70 years or something. And it was passed down the family to this guy who owns it now named Tony. And, um, 
and uh, yeah, he basically runs it. Um, he's a music enthusiast, I guess. And so at some point, like 20 something years ago, he built a little studio and then some of those local hardcore bands in Texas started recording there. Um, and the bands like, you know, Mars Volta and at the drive-in and stuff kind of started putting it on the map. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. It it just was perfect. I mean, COVID aside, it was just a perfect place to make a record because, you know, we're all married and we have kids. It's not as easy to get away as it used to be when we're making albums. And so it was just nice to have a a two week chunk where we could just kind of, you know, the, the cell reception's not great there. Um, which is, ideal actually because you know you're just i don't know it just it just produced an environment that made it really easy to create and um it's about three miles from the mexican border kind of where um and actually you know i I went for a jog and and was able to actually see the wall you know the famous wall that everyone's always talking about and this was you know trump was still president at the time um Mm -hmm. and so the wall was this huge issue i mean it still is but and i got to see it in person um and it's crazy. It was huge. I mean, it was like, it was like Jurassic Park. It felt like they were trying to keep like a, a dinosaur out, you know, it's yeah, just like, it it's was pretty, wild. it's intense. Yeah. I, I, I'm from San Diego and we we're fairly close to the border and yeah, yeah. you drive down and see it. It's, <laughs> it's pretty epic. Yeah. It's so incredible to see firsthand. And as soon as we got close to it, you know, the border patrol guy came out and asked us what we we're up to. And we got to chat with him. Really? For a while. Yeah. It was cool. We kind of were able to chat with him and get his perspective on, things he was like a, um he was born in mexico but it immigrated to the u.s and now he was a border patrol agent so he had an interesting perspective being a mexican um born citizen mm-hmm. and um yeah i don't know it was just it was a cool afternoon that we got to go visit that and um a lot of the staff that work at the studio are are mexican they come over across the border every day to work and um like the, this there's this little crew of women who are, are who make the meals and so every day three meals a day you'd go in there and they have a little menu on the wall and you'd, you know, you'd say like, uh, chili is today, please. You know, and they'd whip it up for you. And it was, wow. it was so cool to like have a like, truly authentic, um, homemade Mexican food was so rad every day. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It was That's just cool. a really magical. Yeah. It was hot as hell, but it was just, uh, <laughs> it was August. I can imagine. But that it is was, so rad. Yeah. We loved it, man. It was great. And I really think it, um, it just, uh, you know, allowed for whatever reason I can kind of hear, it's it's impact on on the album on, on the album were you yeah. at, was it difficult to kind of sit on the album for a while before putting it out <clears throat> well i mean so we, we we let's see we laid the foundations in texas in august of 2020 and then i made how many trips i think like four trips um to to norman oklahoma to to do overdubs and finish mm-hmm. up some stuff and mixing and all that stuff because we mixed it ourselves so i didn't have and then, we, and then we mastered it on top of that. So by the time I had a master, it was actually March of 21, like six months oh, ago. Okay. So yeah. Not, it wasn't like you were sitting with it for a year going, okay, right. let's keep right. tweaking this or, okay. Exactly. Yeah, no, I didn't have a master <laughs> till March. And then, and then I had to figure out, you know, a release plan. I didn't want to just put it out, you know, three weeks later. Like I wanted to un, unroll it or, you know, um, yeah, I want to roll it out, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. strategically and be smart about it. So I, I hired um, somebody to help me do that. We put a whole team, little team together and, and uh, yeah, just put out a couple singles and then the album about a month ago. Yeah. Very cool. And you've yeah. just finally got to do a couple of shows, right? You did about four, four shows yeah, earlier this home. month. Yep. Just what got was home that on like? Sunday. It, it was weird. The first night was weird. You know, we played Chicago in my hometown. Um, mm-hmm. 
and that was the first show I'd played in over two years. And so, yeah, it's, that felt a little funny being on stage with a bunch of people in front. Like just, I just never thought, you know, the last two years has been so wild that, um, you just almost thought like I'll never be in a small club with hundreds of people again, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. Like looking out to this, was it like an emotional feeling? Yeah, it was. I mean, it performing for me is, you know, kind of alluding back to what I said early on in the conversation that like, I was never the best musician or singer. Like the writing was the thing I always felt I was good at. And Mm -hmm. I've had to figure out how to do the live performance thing over the years. Um, so for me, performing is always kind of an anxiety filled, uh, situation. Yeah. And so sure. combining that with just the emotion of like being back and performing and having all these people just so stoked to be there and singing along and all that. So yeah, it was, it was very, um, it was an emotional experience and, um, but it went well, it went really well. And then it, it was almost like once I got through the first couple songs then I, I just felt like riding the bike a little bit, you know, and, uh, <laughs> sure. And then we played New York a couple of days after that, which was wild to be back in New York City. Um, I loved it. We had a blast. And then I came home for a couple of days. We went, I played Nashville. And then we flew to Los Angeles and played Los Angeles as well. And and now I'm home. So, Very yeah, it was... Right. With uh, now that, I mean, I have two kids and a wife. And I would imagine with, with a family now, is it harder to... I mean, you did a few, sh- you do, is, is it easier to do those one-off shows than like a full, like, you know, yeah. month, two month tour? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the last really long tour I did was more than three years ago. Um, where, you know, where I'm gone for months and, um, I almost, when I got home from that, I almost kind of said, I think this will be the last one, you know, like anything I do in the future will be, you know, I think 10 days is a good, is yeah, a good shorter uh, runs. Yeah, exactly. Like you can knock out seven shows in 10 days maybe. And, um, I did that a couple times in 2019. And, and then this, this tour I did, re, you know, last week was like the easiest tour you could imagine. Cause it was, uh, you know, two shows per week with a day off in between for flying. Um, and just to keep things really simple because everything going on, we decided just to do them like strip down acoustic shows. So there was hardly any production to worry about. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just really, it was actually the easiest tour I've ever had to do. And, and it seemed like the fans were just stoked to hear the songs um, presented in, in like a different way than they've heard them before. And um, I don't know. Yeah, there's something there's something there. I might I might kind of pursue that more now going forward, even though I do I do love playing the songs you know with the big full production the way they are recorded but man is that a lot of work to like <laughs> you know <laughs> i would imagine yeah having yeah. the band and then getting everybody there and oh my gosh yeah. the band and like the last time i really did this like you know you got the band and you're gonna put all this money into the way it sounds and so you want a front of house engineer who knows how it's supposed to sound and so there's another guy and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. lights, another you want to, to look feed. cool. <laughs> yeah. You got lights and production. Yeah. It's a big undertaking. And, um, I've always been an independent artist. I'm mostly self-managed as well. And, and mm-hmm. so it's a lot for me to, to do all by myself. So this past couple of weeks of touring, it was really refreshing. That's good, man. Well, and, yeah. and dude, congratulations on all, all the success, especially without, you know, the label and everything yeah. else you had going on. I mean, thank you. That was not really by like, I, I tell people all the time, if I, my, my first manager, he really was the one who was pretty adamant about at least starting off independent and then seeing how things go. And 
I think early on with some of the success, there were, there were labels reaching out, but nothing that really, or at least what he told me, it was nothing that really made sense. Um, or that was more appealing than what we were doing on our own at that point. So we, I, you know, we just stayed independent for those first couple of records. And then he and I parted ways after two albums. Um, mm-hmm. cause he had started, he had started another company and it just made sense that he focused purely on that. And so then I became self-managed really for the last like five years with, I've had wow. a couple different instances where I brought in, I've tried bringing in a manager to help out and it hasn't worked out, but, um, I, I think if it hadn't been for my first manager, Seth, and if I had just had all this success on my own and a label came calling, I probably would have been like, sure, where do I sign? You know, I just right. didn't know any better. <laughs> I mean, that's all people really knew, right? I mean, right. especially exactly. nowadays with, with streaming numbers and, you know, the ability to kind of have a song go viral without yep. a label, yep. you don't really quite need <laughs> their support. No. I mean, it would be nice, I would imagine, for covering costs but like in the grand scheme of things if it's just you and a guitar like why would you yeah exactly i know and so i feel really thankful because i talk to people all the time who are just like man i can't believe like you're independent you own everything that's you know it's it's just it's it's it's, yeah exactly and like i've said it's it's allowed me to have a career and and um you know a house and a family and all this (laughs) stuff so yeah it's it's been great that is amazing. Well, Andrew, man, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with me today. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely, man. I, th- I appreciate the interest. Yeah. I have one more question for you. I want to know yeah. if you have advice for aspiring artists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess people ask me that sometimes at shows. And the thing I always tell them is that, you know, I'm 37 now and, and I've been doing this for a long time. And so I'm a little bit more <sighs> picky or like, <laughs> I'm just not, I don't have the energy for everything anymore the way I used to, but like when I was in my early twenties and I was just excited and hungry and, um, I just said yes to everything, every open mic, every supporting slot, every just random opportunity that came about. I just said, yeah, sure. I'll be there. You know? And and looking back and having conversations with people like you and talking about my career and and reflecting on it, I'm like, that's a hundred percent why I have a career now is because I just opened myself up to opportunities and I wasn't too scared or, prideful to, to say yes to things. I, yeah, that's why I always tell people is just take every opportunity you can. You're going to learn something from it, or you're going to meet somebody who's going to point you to the next thing and you know, you'll be glad you did. So 